Yeah. Yeah, old school. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, this ain't for everybody. Some of y'all need to hear this. Huh. I know you're in the trenches fighting, but check it out. I'm going to put it down like this so I can help you things understand. Everything you're going through is all part of the master plan. Or what? You thought because you got saved, everything was going to be peaches and cream? You better wake up, son. Don't nothing come to a sleep but a drink. Faith without works is dead. Read your Bible. You know what it says. He who don't work, don't eat. Blackers don't get fed. Huh, yeah. Jesus said, he who puts his hands to the pile looks back the same ain't fit. Some of y'all ain't been in the kitchen five minutes and you're about ready to quit. I ain't mad at you. I'm just hitting you with the real. <laughs> if you die for me and I was still tripping, now how you think that make you feel? Check this out. Deep game. This here's deep, huh? Some of y'all ain't sawing nothing but you're stuck at trying to reach, huh? But after him who's able to possess your father's by his glory. Struggle might be part of your testimony, but it ain't the end of the story. Now, upon this, this was prophesied way back in the day. Choir, sing your hook right here and see if the church can relate. going to be speaking on residential 
assisting living care homes. And we know we got a bunch of questions for our guest today. Um, he's also a talk show host, uh, investor, and of course he invests in a res- uh, residential invest- uh, assisted living homes, blah, 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 my name. I don't know why I'm getting tongue-tied. But he's also an author. He has several books he's uh, written, How to Start Your Own Residential Assisted Living Business, The Insider's Guide to Investing in Senior Citizen Housing, and Blueprint. And uh, with that being said, um, let me see. Is our guest with us? Are you in the building, sir? I am, Lamont. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for taking time out to join us. Definitely appreciate you. I know you're a busy, 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 busy man. <laughs> hey, Sundays, there's only one thing to do. Go to church and then relax. So, Okay, well, great. Well, at least we're on the same page. And, again, I definitely want to um, thank you for joining us because I know you could be doing something else. But we definitely appreciate you. And I know you have a wealth of information to share with our listeners yeah, it's looking so, forward to it. Yeah, with that being said, uh, Gene, I, I'll just let you have the platform a little bit before we get into the questions. And, you know, you can tell our listeners a little bit about, uh, well, let me see. I always like to start at the beginning, who you are, and then we can get to uh, how you're doing, what you're doing, and everything that you got going on today, if you don't mind. You got it. Well, I'm originally from upstate New York. I was, uh, I'll was. i take you on the way back and take a tour here, but I originally was a professional musician as a teenager, and we had a music school, recording studio, small record label. We were renting a building uh, for two years, and I remember at the end of those two years, I was 18 years old, and I said, that's it. This building is terrible. The landlord's worse. So we're either going to shut it down or we're going to move someplace else. Looked up the street and saw a for sale sign, and that was the beginning of our real estate investing career. So the first property we ever bought was no money down. We used it to live in and also to run our business out of. Then we did fix and flips and buy and holds. First commercial was the age of 25 and been doing it for decades. But about 10 years ago, my mom started to need help beyond what we could provide for ourselves or felt uh, capable of doing. So I had heard about assisted living in a residential setting decades earlier, but it wasn't until my mom needed help that it became real. And when we started to look for the what was out there, where we could put mom, it was pretty scary. And I said, that's it. And I vowed to create a solution, an actual home that my mom could move into. I'd be proud to have her there. We could have other seniors. And that's rolled into this whole model that's going across the country. I didn't start it, but we're a big proponent of keeping it going and moving it on. So we've been training people for the last seven years how to do what we do to turn single-family homes into assisted living homes. And our goal is to help 10 million seniors and their families because when you help my mom, you're helping me too. So to positively impact 10 million people uh, through our efforts and our company by serving the people that come to learn about assisted living. Wow. You know, I'm glad to hear you say that because I was reading some of the stuff and then, of course, my thought, and uh, I was telling another friend of mine this morning about this movie. I think it's called I Do Care A Lot. I don't know if you've seen mm-hmm. that, but it's on Amazon Prime. But it's uh, uh, involving people dealing with assisted living homes, but they're they're not giving a positive spin to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I was, when I was yeah. reading your stuff, I'm I'm like, um, okay, 
but I'm glad to hear you say that, that you definitely take care of the people that's within the homes, and uh, right. that's important to you. So um, with that being said, let me ask you this. Uh, what is the difference between assisted living and uh, a regular nursing home or a senior citizen facility? Because I don't really know the difference. Yeah. To kind of give you a picture of that, when I say assisted living and seniors, most people think of a nursing home. So this big, huge, converted hospital where there's green walls and linoleum floors and you walk through the front door and you smell neglect, right? So that's not what we do. Or you think about, like the show from the 80s, The Golden Girls, four older women living together, taking care of each other. So that's not quite what we do either, but it's right in between. So it is a residential home. And there are caregivers, but they're not nurses and doctors. It's not a hospital. It's not a medical facility. It's a home where there's caregivers taking care of what's called their activities of daily living, which is pretty much everything you did today after you hit the snooze alarm, right? So bathing, drinking, eating, medication management, housekeeping, all those things that a senior who doesn't need a nursing home doesn't need that full-time medical care but just can't stay at home by themselves so the home is 24-hour care. We do it in a residential setting instead of these large complexes that are 200 beds and you can get lost on your way to the dining hall. Uh, we do it in a home setting. There might be six or 10 or 15 seniors in that home. We do it in a nice, comfortable setting. So think of a place you'd be proud to have your mom there and then train caregivers to take care of them while they are there. such a bad place to be. Not at all. Now, I'd imagine again, you I definitely need more. Sense. Yeah, you definitely yeah. need more of those across the country. I'm sorry, because that leads me uh, back to the, the mm -hmm. next one. Uh, why are you doing this? But I think you mentioned briefly it was because of your mom. Yeah. It was, it, you know, it is a real estate opportunity and a business opportunity, but it's a, it's a way to take care of other people and help solve a problem. Uh, so for me, my journey started with my mom needing that help, but I also realized this is a good play for business and real estate as well. So it's really that three-legged stool with all three. So did you find out that a lot of people that, that are interested in, in getting into these facilities? Oh, absolutely. From your, we have, from, from, yeah, from your end, from the business perspective. Yeah. I mean, we have literally trained thousands of people over the last seven years how to do it. Most of them come from either a real estate investment thought or mindset or a business mindset or a care mindset. So either there's a play on either one, but there's doctors right now that are doing their thing that wish they could really take care of people instead of being in the medical system. So they may start a home and have somebody else operate it or be the manager and the caregiver. Uh, we have other people that are real estate investors saying, I don't want to just flip another house and make another dollar, but I really want to do something significant. And then we have business people who are saying, wow, I could set up one of these homes and make $10,000 a month in profit, plus take care of other people. So we call that doing good and doing well. <laughs> I, I like that, doing good and doing well. So this is something uh, that, uh, well, let me ask you this. Normally, how much type of, uh, what type of investment would it take to get something like this started? The biggest part of the investment is the real estate, so the location. So if you rented the home, it's the cost of renting a home. So there's uh, typically a first month's rent, a security deposit, et cetera. 
If you buy an existing home and then convert it, that's another one. And then if you buy uh, an existing one of these businesses, that's another. So it's hard to say how much, but we teach people how to do it with or without their own money. Uh, that's the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is there's a lot of people that have money that are looking for something to do with that money, to invest it. And when you can give them something good to invest in, a, a reason why they can loan money to you or invest in your project where they're going to get a good return on their money but also have impact helping other people, that's something that people really want to be a part of. Okay. I noticed that uh, you speak in uh... – in uh, 50 different cities, are do those mm-hmm. in those cities, the people that you speak to, are they normally uh, the people that you mentioned, the ones that are in real estate, or do you help them do it through your training, uh, pick out the different properties or the better properties? Uh, the yeah, when we, right. So when we were traveling around the country, I would be presenting to mostly uh, real estate investors and business people about the opportunities in assisted living. Now, obviously, most of the conversations are done online, so online webinars and presentations, podcasts, etc. cetera. Uh, but most of those people come from either the business side, including the real estate, or the care side. So there's a lot of people out there that really do want to take care of – they may have a situation in their own family. They're taking care of their own mom and dad, and they're saying, wow, I can't handle this, or I'm not designed. God didn't make me to be a caregiver but they're still going to take care of them. They could open up one of these homes and have their parent move in and live for free and be having eight or ten other people who are paying for everything. Uh, And that's another thing that I teach people how to do. You're doing this not just for you right now, but the future. If and when you need help or if and when your mom or dad needs help, they can move into the master bedroom and live for free. Right. Gene, hold on one second. I think we got a call. I want to ask a question or something. Sure. Five Hello. one three, you're on. You're on. Can you hear me? Yes, loud and clear. Yes. Uh, my question is: This type of, of home, can you fit it into any neighborhood, or is it considered like a group home if you have several people living in it? That's a great question. Every city and state's going to treat it a little bit different. In general, it would be considered a group home. And we're, as soon as you said that and I said that, everybody's thinking of, well, that's a sober home or addiction home or something like that, kind of a negative consequence, even though there's huge need there, too, and we could talk about that. But when it comes to the seniors and when it comes to the Fair Housing Act, which is a federal law from way back in the 70s, seniors are protected as a class. So the elderly and the disabled are two classes, and a senior that needs assisted living is considered disabled as well as elderly. So all that to say, you can do it right in the middle of a neighborhood, even with a homeowners association, but you need to know how to how to go through that process. So we do show people how to do that, where to do that, and where not to do it, which is just as important. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, thanks for calling. Did you have any other questions, or was that your... No, that was the major one. I used to live next door to a group home, so I was wondering how, what this was considered as. Yeah. What kind of group home was that? The, You know, I'm not really sure exactly what they called it, but most of the people in there had Down, Down syndrome. Oh, special needs. 
And yeah. they were adults, yes. Right. So There's a, such a huge... Of, yeah, it a huge was a group, group of about 10 or 11. Yeah. See, in, in a home like that, uh, you know, Lamont, we actually teach people how to do that. And shared housing is what we call it. So we do residential assisted living for the elderly, and then shared housing is for all the other ones. And imagine... Imagine somebody who's got a child who has autism or some type of a disability. They're going to outlive that parent 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and those parents are really in a, in a bad spot because they need a home for their kids who are going to grow up to be adults and then outlive them. Uh, and that's a huge need as well as an opportunity. So we teach people how to do that as well. It was interesting. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of ways to help people, and, and I think anytime you find a challenge in life or a, a problem, as some people call it, I always say, okay, there's a problem, there's a challenge, what's the opportunity, how can we help? And then from a business side, you know, how can we help and then monetize that? Because it's not just a charity. We, we need to make enough money to pay the caregivers well and have great homes and great food and great everything and make a profit. So that's kind of the motive behind it, the care and the profit, doing good and doing well. It sounds real interesting. I'm really happy that you're doing that kind of thing. It's very much needed. Thank you. I'd love to give you a copy of uh, our book, uh, so I'm sure Lamont will let us share how to do that a little bit later. All right. Thank you very much. You got it. Thank you for the the call. Mm -hmm. So, Gene, I have a question here. Uh, I guess it's a twofold question. How much money can can be made doing assisted living care home, and does that depend on the size of the home? Uh, A lot, and yes. So let me dig in. (laughs) When I say a lot, yeah. The average person in America today, according to Genworth, which is a long-term care insurance company, the average senior who's in assisted living today across the country is paying $4,300 per month per person. So I know that sounds like a lot, but in some areas it's twice that. And uh, we can get into the question of where do they come up with the money, et cetera, but that includes everything from Medicare and Medicaid all the way up to private pay to long-term care insurance. But if you had a home and it's licensed for 10, and that makes easy math, $4,300 per person times 10 is $43,000 in gross income per month, your expenses are going to be 70 or 80% of that. So really what I'm looking for from a business model is 20% or more of the top line. So that $43,000 a month, 20%, 30% of that turning into profit at the end with all the expenses. So eight, ten, twelve thousand dollars a month from that single family home is the end result uh, after all expenses to operate that residential assisted living business. So it's quite lucrative. So these uh residential assisted living uh homes, are these people uh expected to have a single occupancy in their room or are they double or how is that handled? Most states allow you to have two people in a room, so that would be semi-private. Some states even allow you to have more. We encourage people to do two people at the most and then as many private rooms as possible. The reality is when you bring your mom to a place, you want the best for her. You want a private room and a private bathroom and all of that. So if we have a home in a normal neighborhood, probably doesn't have 10 bedrooms, 
but we can convert some of the space into bedrooms or make a big bedroom into a, two smaller rooms. So two people in a room, but one person is preferable. Got it. Because I was wondering about that when you mentioned 10, 10 people. I'm like, well, that would either be <laughs> five five bedrooms or a 10-room home. Yeah. And, you know, the reality is most states, the rules are, are fairly minimum in regards to the requirements. So if I were to go through the math with you, it might be an 1,800-square-foot home, according to the state, would be big enough for 10 seniors. Our rule of thumb at the REL Academy is 300 square feet per person of living space. So that doesn't mean their bedroom is 20 by 30, which would be quite large. It's not that. It's that you have, let's say, a 3,000-square-foot home. It would be very comfortable for 10 seniors, 12 seniors. Uh, but the rules in the states allow you to have a 1,500-square-foot home, 1,800-square-foot home, and they're packed and it's tight and um, it's not very comfortable, and that's not what I encourage people to do. You can do that. There are a 1,000 homes just like that all over the country, but what we teach is a model. Okay. Oh, this is a good one. How can you get twice the fair market rent with long-term, low-impact tenants? There you go. You know, I, when you asked a great question of how much does it cost, and I kind of gave you a, a depends kind of an answer, if you lease the house from somebody, then your cost of getting into the real estate is easier. You don't have to worry about a down payment and so on. But there's a lot of people who own houses now, and they lease that to somebody else, so it's a rental property. Average family is only going to be able to pay just so much, but if I'm going to be operating that residential assisted living business out of that house, I'm willing to pay more because we've got a lot of cash flow. So when I say twice the market rent, if you are leasing that house to an operator of the residential assisted living business, you could charge anything you want and they're making enough cash flow that twice the market rent is reasonable to them. They're also going to want a five-year lease. They want a long-term lease. And you could also have them take care of the maintenance. So you can have very little or no maintenance. You can have a long-term tenant, which means there's no vacancy and hassle. They're going to take care of the house because they're running their business out of there, and they want it to be nice for the family and the residents there. And if they're willing to pay more, I'd accept it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, me too. Especially if they're gonna take care of the maintenance and everything else. That's no harm, yeah. no foul. Especially making yeah, money. most people don't, so, don't realize that. Yeah, yeah. You were mentioning earlier today, different cities, different states have different rules and regulations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so every state's gonna be a little bit different. For instance, I'm in Arizona, so in our state, they limit us to ten people, ten seniors in that house. And by the way, as soon as I say that, I know somebody is listening saying, but my city says you can only have four unrelated adults in a house. And those kind of rules and regulations are designed to keep a house from being turned into a fraternity or a sorority near a college with a bunch of people living in there. But when we talk about seniors because of the protected uh, class that they're in with the Federal Fair Housing Act, most states have a limit. Arizona is 10. Texas is 16. Uh, California, most people think it's limited to six, but actually if you were to do some things to the house like sprinklers and fire suppression, you could have more than that. Uh, but there's about 20 states that have no limit to the number of people. That'd be reasonable. has to be big enough and safe enough. Uh, but you're doing it in a residential setting. So 
just like the woman who called in, you could be right next to one and you wouldn't even know it unless you walked over and said hello or met somebody there. seem like a, a great, a great, great opportunity. Gene, we kind of like jumped over the place. You know, I kind of mentioned briefly about you uh, being an author as well as an investor. So speak a little bit about uh, your books and stuff. Yeah. You know, early on I wrote books about teaching kids about finance, but that was before electronic print and, you know, all the other things to deliver books. So, but the books that we have on residential assisted living, we have the insider's guide to investing in. So if somebody's interested in investing in senior housing, we wrote a book that's available on Amazon for that, the insider's guide to investing on senior housing. But the one that uh, I'd be happy to give all of your listeners, I'll give them a website. They can download it for free is called how to start your own residential assisted living business. It's blueprint. So the blueprint for doing it. And it kind of walks through the story of how I got started and what it takes and the real estate part and the business part and getting the right team and putting it all together. That sounds like they pretty much everything they need to know except for how to go out and do it themselves. I mean, but you're giving them all the information, so they really shouldn't have any excuse if that's an interest. Nah. <laughs> well, I, I'm sure you've had lots of guests on and, and sharing things, so I want to make sure it's really clear. This is simple but it's not easy. And I want to be very clear about that because, you know, you said right up front, you had mentioned a, a, I think it's a Netflix movie that's out right now and it gives a bad light to this. And if somebody is thinking, I'm just going to get a house, fill it with seniors, get a babysitter and walk away. No, don't get in the business, right? This is for people that truly want to help and provide a great place and great care. And you're going to make great money too. But I wanted to make sure that it's the right people, uh, the right motivation before they get in. I want to encourage you to have all the training you can possibly get, and that's what we provide as well. Because uh, doing it in the right location is one of the biggest mistakes that people make is picking the wrong location. They get a big house, and it's inexpensive, but it's in the wrong area. That would not be a mistake I'd want anybody to do. So. Well, I love the fact that you said that because you got to have the right heart. I'm sure you, we can go out and, and all about the money, and like a lot of people are in today's society, you know, they they weren't about eat, but eating. But nobody said you can't do good and do the right thing and and then eat as well. So I'm definitely glad to hear you say mm-hmm. that. It definitely gives a positive light. Mm-hmm. And um, that's important because I think if you do the right thing anyway. You're going to be successful at everything that you do, regardless. So helping helping seniors and stuff, you know, it's a lot of seniors out there and people need assistance that just don't, you know, have family. And the ones, and a lot of them that do have family, you know, the family could care less about them pretty much. So um, they definitely need places that actually are going to be a serious support mechanism. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think um, a, a lot of a lot of people when they, I was going to say, I think a lot of people when they think about seniors, they they do think of them as kind of uh, well, your life is towards the end, etc. And one of the things I find fascinating, Lamont, is literally sitting and talking to a senior where I can hear about their lives and where they've been, what they've done, and sometimes I get a chance to hear stories and learn things that even their kids or grandkids don't know. Uh, so it's the rewarding part of the business as well. I definitely agree with that because I always like to take times and 
and, and talk to seniors because they got so much knowledge, man. They've done a lot of things, mm-hmm. and they did it at a time that where we weren't there, you know. So it's almost yeah. like in a, 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 a history lesson, you know. Uh, I definitely mm-hmm. enjoy that. I get that from my fishing buddies because I usually go deep sea fishing with a lot of older older gentlemen, and mm-hmm. I'm always amazed to hear some of their stories about you know what they did and how they did it and how they become uh, the person that they are today. You know. Yeah, yeah. Me too. Yeah, I enjoy that. I, I don't go fishing a whole lot, but I enjoy the stories. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's not a lot of water in uh, Arizona, is it? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> not a lot of water there. So, so Gene, in your course, your class, your training, how long a process is that? Do an immersion class. So we have a three-day class where we teach you pretty much everything you need to know. And the reason why we do that, Lamont, is I was never a really good student. So the idea of spending four years to learn something eh, never appealed to me. Even six months is like, come on, just give me the the meat, the nuts and bolts. So we really do an immersion class where they learn, they get to touch and feel and see and understand in three short days. And I think what's great about that, too, is you may get to the end of the three days and say, this is not for me. Perfect. I'd rather you find out in three days than three years. And um, other people come through the class, and they are just so excited. They're already working on their first home before they even leave. So it's a very exciting process. Wow. Definitely sounds like something I really need to get in, uh, get more information and get into. It sounds very interesting and uh, rewarding for a number of different reasons. We should get you to one of our virtual trainings. That way you can participate virtually and don't even have to get in the plane and travel. And I'd love you to come as our guest if you'd like to. I'll uh, let our team know, and we'll make that happen for you, Lamont. Oh, definitely. I definitely love that, man. I love learning new things. And I'm a pretty quick learner. You know, I've learned how over the years, and I've learned how to turn my brain into sponge. Really, when it's something that I'm interested in, I absorb it all real quickly. Love it. So what's next in store for you, Gene? You've been around the world, and you, you done a lot of different stuff so what's what's next for you well you know we just uh launched a new company called the shared housing academy and i was mentioning to you before there's that caller would be the person with special needs next door we just had so many people come up to us during our training saying can i use this information for and then fill in the blank my son with autism or a sober home or something else and it could be foster kids that age out of the system i mean a lot of kids they're foster kids and age 18 the checks stop coming from the state and they get booted out it's like they're not ready to move out on their own so there's people that are you know justice involved they're coming out of prison they can't go home or they need a place to be or maybe they had a minor offense and the the state is saying we don't want them locked up here but they need to be someplace safe where it's clean and sober so you could have justice reformed homes, you could have addiction homes, you could have uh, the special needs. So we created a whole new academy called the Shared Housing Academy just for that. And uh, our instructors are incredible on that. I'm just so excited to be working with them. The Hearts of Gold, uh, they've already trained over 500 people over the last number of years how to do it. And uh, we just had our first presentations and trainings uh, last month. It went phenomenal. And we're so looking forward to just continuing to grow that and launch that this year. 
So that's what's new and exciting for me, for sure. Yeah, you're a busy, busy man, so I understand why you can kind of take the day off because you're busy doing everything else. Yeah, you, you know how it is when you're I'm, – I'm, I just turned 60, so I have no idea how old you are, Lamont, but by the time you get to be my age, you get to the point where it's like, wow, what are you, you're grinding, you're hustling, you're working. And I've done my all-nighters. I've done my seven-day-a-week. I've, I've done my 20-hour days over and over and over and it's wonderful going through it. It's inspiring. It's wonderful. It's all of that. But also, you have to realize you got to enjoy the things you have, the people you're with. And, you know, God gave us uh, every day to work. He just said, just take one off and chill. So, I think that's the problem a lot of people have and that have today. You know, a lot of people out there are basically workaholics. You know, they, they don't take time off. They grind in every day. Yeah. I, I agree, and I mean, I, I love the intention, but the way I fix that, by the way, because I am that way. Some people would look at me and say workaholic is I enjoy everything I do. So, like, I'm going on a business trip to Key West in a week or so, so I'm going to bring my wife with me. We'll go a little early, and we'll do business, but we'll have a great time while we're there. So, it, it mix the two. I heard they have some great fishing in Key West, man. You need a stowaway in your luggage. <laughs> Maybe I will check on that, if, if, or I'll throw a line in from the shore on the sandy beach. <laughs> I don't think that'll help me a whole lot if I'm in California. <laughs> <laughs> well, California, you got some nice system too, but you're right; you got to get offshore. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely right. But listen, everybody, if you join the show late, you can definitely call in. The call-in number is six four six nine two nine twenty eight seventy. Uh, press number one on your phone. We'd love to have you join the conversation and answer whatever questions that you may have. You know, one of the uh, things, in it, and I do want to make sure that anybody who wants to get a copy of that book that I offer, Blueprint, I've got a very simple website. If you'd like, Lamont, I'll give it to you. Or you can put it in your show notes. Um, yeah, they can just go, go and download the book. Yeah, yeah, let them have it's, it. Uh, you can tell them now. Three letters, three letters, three numbers, RAL101.com. So residential assisted living, just three letters, RAL101.com. You can download the book for free. There's a webinar you can watch, and there's a phone number you can call if you want to talk to us. Everybody should definitely be blowing up uh, blowing up that that phone number. Because most people, like I said, most people now, they're working from home because of this uh, mm-hmm. thing that's going on. So they definitely have plenty of time to sit there and uh, educate themselves. I just got a, uh, a message, and someone is asking, um, how do customers pay? Are they funds strictly from private sources, or do they take uh, Medicare or Medicaid? So there's lots of different ways that you can get paid. We don't focus on the Medicare and Medicaid. The reason for that is for just assisted living, not a nursing home, just assisted living, the state, uh, the federal government gives money to the state. The state will then create a program, and every state, California has theirs, and Arizona has theirs, and every state has their own. The total that they pay is about $2,000 a month. Now, that includes somebody's Social Security or pension plan or whatever income or assets they have. 
So maybe somebody's got $1,500 a month with their Social Security and a pension plan from their widowed spouse. So the state of California will say, well, we'll top it off with $500. So the total is 2000 But if you remember earlier, I said the average in America today is $4,300. California, the average is $5,000 per person per month. So if somebody's only got $2,000, they're going to be in a very substandard place where there's crowded and bad food and not great care. And so we do it in a more of an upscale. We focus on private pay, families that can pay for their loved one's care uh, because they have the funds or maybe mom or dad have more assets uh, that can be liquidated and used. So we charge the average and our sweet spot is kind of four to 8000 per person per month where Medicare and Medicaid is pretty much $2,000. That's right around where it is. Maybe a little more, maybe less, but not enough to make a profit and provide a great home with great food and great great fun. Okay. Well, definitely want to thank the people for typing in that question. That was a great one as well. Hold on. I think we have another. 710, you're on. Uh, yes, I have a question. Now, at these sure. uh, homes, are there recreational activities scheduled for the uh, people who live there? Are they able to go into the kitchen and cook whatever they want? Or are their meals already set? Um, so, are, are these yeah. people in, are they are they so independent that they're independent? But like you said, they they cannot stay by themselves. Are they able to just go out, walk out, and or do whatever they want to do? So with the people that are in the assisted living uh, homes, most of them are not uh, independent enough to be preparing their own meals. And they we want them to be free and have independence, but we don't want them to walk out the front door and down the street. Uh, they're typically not as mobile as that, number one. But number two, the caregivers who are there need to keep an eye on people so they can't just be wandering off. Uh, so independence within the home, yes. Cooking their own meals, we'd love to have them help in some way, but the food is prepared for them and served to them. Uh, that's really the typical model. And we do have recreational activities. So glad you asked. We, we typically bring in outside contractors for that. So it might be musicians that come in and play, maybe pet therapy. So somebody brings in a small dog and they get a chance to interact with that pet for a while. Uh, it could be anything from movie night to audiobooks uh, to art. Uh, but the recreation is important and it is scheduled uh, in our homes. That's a big part of what we do. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks for your call. Gene, uh, the other question I had, I don't know, I seem like I think we may have, you may have covered this already, how can an investor entrepreneur best take advantage of this opportunity? I think you may have touched on it, but if you did not. Sure. Let me, let me be really specific on that. The first thing I think somebody should do if they're thinking on a business side of getting into this is learn as much as you can. Read, read the book I wrote, come to the class, but learn as much as you can and understand that there's two different opportunities. One is the real estate, so you can own it and lease it too, and the other is the business. And when I say the business, 
most most times, Lamont, when, when people hear this, they're like, well, I don't want to be a caregiver. I can't be the manager. It's like that's not the part I play. The business owner isn't there day-to-day taking care of the day-to-day things. Uh, there's a manager who's there. The manager in our case might be a caregiver or they might just be the manager. But if a caregiver can't come in, the manager is going to find a replacement or fill it in themselves. I, as the owner, may may go to the property once a month, maybe once a quarter. Uh, so it's not something that requires you to be hands-on all the time. You can if you want to. But I want to encourage you to open a second home, You know, to use your energy for the business and open a second home, then open a third home. Uh, because the more of these homes you have, the better you'll do the economies of scale. One manager can oversee all three. The caregivers could be shared between the homes. The economies of scale of buying uh, products and services, uh, it just helps all the way around. Uh, so if you're going to get in, just know that there's two plays, real estate and business. Learn everything you can before you decide which one you're going to get in. And then there's a third way, actually, which is just to be an investor. If somebody just wants to passively invest, just invest money into uh, there's places you can do that, and we even have a private equity fund for people that just want to participate that way, uh, or they may meet somebody in the class and say, well, I'll buy the real estate, and you operate the business, we'll partner together. Hmm. Um, good information, good information to know. Gene, we have another question that was typed in. Um, because of the kind of business this is, do they deal with outside uh, inspections, and if so, how often? It, most states do have annual inspections. <clears throat> so that annual inspection, they're going to come, well, they used to come to the home. <laughs> this day and age, a lot of times it's done on Zoom. Uh, but the annual inspection is where they come to the house, and the most important thing they're looking for is are the seniors safe. That's really, truly it. They're going to they're gonna find that out by looking at the records that you keep. Um, so it's inspected once a year. Now, if you have no violations, they call them deficiencies in the industry, but no violations, they may not inspect you the next year, and they'll skip a year and come two years. Uh, but usually it's an annual inspection or unless there's some incident where they have to come out. Uh, but they're there to really – I just want everybody to hear that. They're not there to shut you down. They want to make sure you're doing it the right thing, taking care of those seniors. And if you're doing the right thing with the right intentions and keeping good records, uh, they're on your side. They're there to help. Uh, But if you're not a good operator, they're going to either fix you or say you shouldn't be in this business. Jay, when you say say records, what does that include exactly? I mean, records of each individual uh, client and what what is that involving? Yeah. Yeah, each resident has – there's a binder. So when you come into the office, there would be a binder for each one of the residents and would start with their care plan. So the care plan is from a doctor or a nurse that says, here's what they need. Uh, here's the food they eat, the physical therapy they may need, or any of the care that, that is needed. So there's that part. There's the contact information for the uh, family. There is the medication management. So there's a chart. If they're supposed to take some medication, here's where it was checked off that they did take it at the right time, and here's who gave it. Uh, So the records are all about that resident to make sure that everything is being done right. On the other hand, the employees, so the caregivers themselves, the managers, they have certain qualifications. So do they have their uh, continuing education? Is it up to date? Have they had their TB test and their 
uh, background check and all of those different things that they have to keep up every year as well get inspected. So the records are two sides, the business operations and the employees, and then the residents and their care. Okay. Good to, good to know. Uh, do your company partner up with uh, private investors? We, uh, the way we partner up is by we opened a private equity fund, so it's called Round Box Equity. So in Round Box Equity, somebody could say, well, I will invest money into that fund, and then Round Box Equity uh, funds different projects for the assisted living. So it's not really a partnership where you're saying you and I are partners, we own the real estate together, we operate the business together, we're 50-50. It's a fund where somebody would invest in, and then the managers of the fund would then choose the investments and take care of business from that level down. Hmm. So the investors have really no input toward the business outside of putting up the money? Correct. That would just be a, a passive investment. Now, if somebody wants to partner where they're saying, hey, I, I have the real estate or I have the money and I'm looking for the operator, we do have a platform that we have informally for some of our students, and we're going to formalize it uh, coming up later this year, I think in the third quarter, where somebody can say, I'm interested in buying the real estate. And somebody else is saying, well, I'm interested in operating the business and potentially leasing the real estate. So they can partner up together informally we'll kind of here's a list of one and here's a list of the other and those two who are on the list can look at the other side and raise their hand and have their conversation so it's not a formal we're putting them together as much as it is we're putting those investors uh, make them available to the people that need the home or the investment and vice versa so they can communicate and decide how they might want to partner together Right, I'm one of those crazy guys, man. I was thinking I size a box for some reason. But I was thinking if I seen a, a particular facility that I know, for instance, that you owned and I had some money and I wanted to invest and I approached you and said, Gene, I want to invest in this particular facility, I'm going to put my mother in there. I want my mother in this facility. But I'd feel a little bit mm -hmm. more comfortable if I own a portion of that facility so I could have some say-so about how it's ran. Um, how would you yeah, do I mean, like that? well, that's possible, but it, it really depends. Like, for instance, if you were to buy stock in McDonald's, we, you do have ownership because stock is ownership in the company, but you're really not going to be able to walk in the front door of McDonald's and say, hey, I think you should put a little more you know, lettuce on that burger uh, in a care <laughs> Right. Even though you're a little bit of an yeah. owner. So in a care home, if you and I let's let's just say it was you and I this way, others can understand it. But if we're you and I were both saying we're in this business together, then certainly you do have say. Certainly you can give your input. Uh, but other there's a lot of people that don't want to have that. They just truly want to invest their money and not have any input. Uh, but in your case, you're saying because I want to make sure my mom is taken care of you would want to have something that you're more involved in, that you do have some right. say, uh, and certainly the ability to walk in the front door and at least visit your own mom, you know. Yeah, so I, was, I, don't know, I just thought about that, you know, because for me, I would want to have some, a little bit more say-so than the average person because that's my mom, but I understand if it's a corporation, it's totally different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's the difference between passive and active. So passive, you're just writing a check and 
God willing, receiving checks, right? Just you, you put money in and money comes out. And active is where you're more involved. And then the question is, how active? Do you want to just have a little bit of input so you're kind of on the board and you can give your suggestions once a month? Or do you want to be hands-on where you're actually, you know, trim, doing some painting for the nicks in the wall and choosing tiles on a tile replacement? So just depends on how active you want to be. Jane, let me let me be nosy, man. Do you guys operate facilities all across the country, or are you just particularly just in Arizona? With our homes that we started and owned and operated, they were all in Arizona. But now I invest in homes around the country where I'm that passive investor. Uh, if they ask me for an input, I'll give it to them. But I'm the passive investor in their projects. And, you know, to kind of segue back to what somebody else said, some of those people are former students as well. So investing, because I trained them, <laughs> I I know what they know. They're doing a great, they're doing a great job, and now they're on their next uh, venture. And it's like, yes, I would love to be involved because I know the money is great. I know the cause and the purpose is great. Uh, but I'm very passive that way. So even though I say I'm I'm involved in between two and three hundred beds across the country, uh, I'm not. I don't know anything about the day-to-day, and I don't want to know anything about the day-to-day. I'm just a passive investor. I was just sitting there asking you that, Gene. Did you care about the day-to-day, or are you past that part of your career? But from what I'm hearing you say, basically you are. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's where you have to have trust. And, you know, one of the things I always say is if you're going to invest in somebody else, whether you loan money to them or invest in their project, it's all about that person not the project we can problem but it's the humans that are involved so you got to trust and if you don't then don't invest and if you do then let them do their thing and trust them to do do a great job man you just said a mouthful right there trust because boy listen uh nowadays boy trust is earned it's not given it's a little different yeah climate's a little different out there well and as it should be you know i'm one of those people who i'm I will always give somebody the benefit of the doubt, but it's also if if you screwed me once, well, that's my fault. But if you did it twice, well, uh, that's not a good thing, right? I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> that might be my fault, too, for letting you do it the second yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Learn my lesson once. Yeah. yeah. That's, it. that's for sure. That's for sure. Well, Gene, if you had a couple things to tell our listeners to do and not to do, what would they be? You know, I always like, love to share this fact. I think everyone, everyone, everyone is going to get involved in assisted living one way or the other. It's either the business, the real estate, or both, or you or a family member is going to be lying in a bed writing a check to somebody who does. It's kind of inevitable. So since you're going to get involved, right now you have a choice. So decide how you want to get involved. I think also a lot of times people uh, don't really take what I just said seriously until Mom or dad had a fall, they're 85 years old, and somebody now has to make the decision, what are we going to do to take care of mom and dad? And that's a hard time to say, well, let's go learn how to do this thing and start a business from scratch. No, mom needs help right now. So if you heard what I said, you're going to get involved one way or the other and want to get involved in the business. I can show you how to do that, but that part's up to you. 
the other part, uh, just to reframe what you just said, if you're going to invest in somebody else, make sure they're good at what they do, they're trustworthy, they've got a track record, and we can teach you and train you how to do that as well, uh, too, is that, you know, it, it, right now, I don't know what the weather is where you people are listening right now, but I'm here and the weather's beautiful, it's a gorgeous day, yesterday was cold and windy, but it's a great time to just sit back and, and think, and to think about what we do and why we do it. I think a lot of times people go through life and they just kind of, they're just in a game and they don't even know that it's a game. They're in a race and they don't even know where the finish line is. It's like, why do you go to work? And what are you doing it for? And what's it all about? What's your purpose? And if you don't know what that is, sit under a tree with a pad of paper until you figure it out because it just doesn't make any sense to just grind it out in life just to get to the end and then just lay down and go to sleep permanently. You know, do what you're doing for a reason. Find what you love and do that. And if you're looking for a way to help other people and make good money, well, assisted living may be just right for you. Wow. Very, very positive thoughts, man. Very, very positive thoughts. Because a lot of people right now sitting around getting the COVID belly. (laughs) Hey, if anybody lost 20 pounds, I found it. Okay, just so you know. (laughs) <laughs> oh no! Hey man, look, you're too busy to have a COVID belly. What are you doing? You don't supposed that don't supposed to be you. <laughs> uh, I actually was at a at, at a friend's house. They just stopped in. He said, "Hey, you're fat," and I'm like, "Hey, man, thank you very much for that. I appreciate your observance, you know." So, hey man, listen. All you gotta do is just tell him COVID belly, COVID belly. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> It's not uh, your fault. <laughs> it's not your fault. No, it is my fault. I enjoy myself way too much sometimes. That's, it is my fault. I take full responsibility. Oh, okay. Well, that's, <laughs> look, as long as you know what you're doing and you're doing it on purpose, but uh, I can't yep. say that. Because I call, call it my oatmeal raisin. They call my name when they shouldn't be. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, well, Gene, well, listen, we're down to the last few minutes, so, man, listen, tell everybody where they could go get in touch with you, how they can get in touch with you, and all that stuff. Sure. Yeah, so I want to encourage if you, if you really do want to learn a little bit more about assisted living, go to ral101.com. So residentialassistedliving101.com, just three letters, R-A-L-101. And also I mentioned the shared housing. So if you want to learn more about that, I know we have a webinar coming up. Go to Shared Housing uh, Shared Housing Academy. I had to make sure I got it right. Sharedhousingacademy.com. i got to come up with a shorter website for that, but there it is right now, sharedhousingacademy.com. And if you just want to call and, and talk to somebody about it, you can call 480 480- Seven zero four three zero six five four eight zero seven zero four three zero six five. Gene, do you uh, do you uh, do you tour? I mean, do you go out to different states? You know, uh, with all of last year, we were gung ho for the first quarter, and then it quieted down. So my tour has been uh, a lot more sporadic. But so far this year, I've been in. Uh, Florida and Branson, Missouri. I'm going to be back in Florida. Uh, I'll be in Texas in a week or so. So I am out speaking, but not nearly as much as I was before. I won't hit 50 cities this year. I don't think anybody's going to hit 50 cities this year unless it's virtual. 
Well, that we're doing, and that what a cool thing that came out of 2020. I mean, it was supposed to be the year of clearer vision. I don't know if you heard people talking about that theme, the year of clearer vision, and really what it turned out to was the year of innovation, trying to figure out a new way to do things. And I know for us, uh, it's it was an incredible year. It's the best year we've ever had. And part of that is because when it comes to the specifically assisted living, people are figuring out smaller is better. The big box facilities are saying, wow, we got to get small and keep these seniors safe. And that's where we've been. So it's been growing, growing, growing. And with the Shared Housing Academy and uh, some other things we're doing as well. But um, it was a great year. And this year is also, it's a record-breaking year once again. So it's going great. And we do do some live events. We just had one last weekend. Our next one's coming up in a few weeks. So we do live in-person events. We also do virtual events. So we're doing them both. And the innovation is a key to being alive. So there it is. Well, I know it's a challenge for a lot of senior citizens that aren't computer literate. I know they're catching the blues. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I feel sorry for people who are uh, – sequestered into their location, whether it's uh, by choice or, you know, the elderly in these large facilities, it breaks my heart to to think about that, to see that, to hear those stories. I know in our homes, they're a lot more free and they're a lot more um, life as usual uh, in these smaller care homes. But I think anybody, uh, you know, I was thinking about this on the, today is Sunday, so I'll go ahead and say it, just coming back from church, great message, and really life is a choice. And we can either live in fear or we can live in full confidence to know that God's got our back. He's got it all planned. And, you know, I've, I've met too many people who are totally physically fit and nothing wrong and boom, they're dead. And others who are just faithful and live a lot longer and die a peaceful life. So, you know, it's just, you, you decide that living in fear is not a good way to live. Have faith in God. He's going to take care. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, sir, I thank you so much for joining us and taking time out, man. You had a definitely wonderful message, and I'm sure our listeners are going to be getting in touch with me, get in touch with me or you. And I definitely appreciate you again, man. It was fantastic. Time really does fly when you're having fun learning stuff. <laughs> thank you so much for having me on. And I was serious, though. If you want to come to yourself personally, if you'd like to come to one of our virtual trainings, uh, please reach out to our team, and I'll make that happen for you. Start making it happen, sir, because I'm there. Cool. Love thank it. <laughs> and thank you so much for the opportunity, man, and uh, we'll be in touch soon. Thank you so much. And for you listeners that joined the show a little bit late, if you're having problems finding the show, there's no excuse. Ask your mama, ask your daddy, ask your neighbor across the street, a guy at the gas station, or your milkman. Somebody will tell you how to hear the show. It's available worldwide Um Every platform, so you have no excuse until I said it. And thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next Sunday at the same time. And definitely, definitely thank our guest, Gene Garano. Appreciate you much. Be safe out there. And we'll see you guys next week. Take care. God is good, 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 good. Yeah. Good had that been for the Lord of my Walking through, in a toil, snare, trap. Blessed is what I tell them when they ask me how I'm living, huh?